0: Hey church, my name is Brandon, and if you are new, we are so glad that you're here this morning. I am so encouraged by, it wasn't the first time I'd heard Keith's story that we just showed you through video, but so encouraging, such a cool, cool story, and I would be remiss to not follow up on um, what Susan said and remind you that when we we give of our time and Talents and treasures and testimonies that—that that is what um, is possible. And Susan's right; it's it's in Mexico City or anywhere, but also here. And so, pray that you were encouraged uh, by that this morning. We are in Luke chapter two as we begin our four weeks through Advent together. Advent, the beginning of the church's calendar year. For those of you who may be in more of a liturgical. Bend in your um, church history, personally, this is the beginning of the calendar year in the church. It's a time for waiting, for expecting, and yes, for longing, longing as we have been reminded in so many different ways so far, Chris and April sharing and lighting the first advent candle to the beautiful songs that we have sung, longing for Jesus. I'm longing this morning for my back to feel better. Leslie Ann and I, I'm 41. Is that when it all starts to to fall apart and go downhill? Because she has, she and I have been moving boxes around the house for a while now. And these are the boxes, I may have cracked this joke already, but I'm going to tell you again, these are the boxes that we didn't see or use for 11 months. And we need them for some reason. But I would argue, sweetheart, that... Because we didn't need them for 11 months, that we quite possibly don't need them, but maybe that's what we 're doing. We don't need them, and we 're just going to scoot them around the house until the kids move out. I love you so much, we're going to get it. we're going to get it, but as it stands, my I can't straighten my back this morning. kind of feels like I don't know what's going on back here, but I'm going to work through it feeling better. Nothing a little ibuprofen can't uh, relax <laughs> Okay, this morning, this, so during these four weeks we are looking at longing, longing, that's what initiated that diatribe about my back, but this morning specifically, if you just saw the sermon bumper video, it's longing for meaning, and I have a confession to make. Uh, I prefer the word purpose to meaning. Now nothing against meaning, I don't mean to disparage the word Meaning. The meaning of life is important to ponder, but purpose, purpose to me has more oomph. Purpose denotes belief and action. It was reading, you know, through seminary, so many great missiologists and evangelists, and at the top of that list would be the great Leslie Newbegin. Such a profound thinker he was and writer, and he helped carve this, you know, preference for purpose over meaning out in my life in some of the things that he wrote. I recall him teaching us that it's a terrible misunderstanding of the gospel to think that it offers salvation while relieving us of the responsibility for the life of the world. Or how about this? He he said it this way. It is the word made flesh that is the gospel. This is drawing from John chapter 1, the word um, made flesh that is the gospel. Then he goes on to say that the deed without the word is dumb, and the word without the deed is empty. So I like purpose because to me purpose entails both the word and and the deed now, this year for Advent, we will be considering in each of the next four Sundays, including Christmas Eve, and I listen y'all i 'm so grateful to be here with you for us to be able to to meet during Advent. We did last year, and then things got a little wonky toward Christmas, and we didn 't end up getting to meet. On Christmas Eve and I don't at least in person and I, I don't anticipate that for this year we are moving forward and we need to be together so if you're joining with us online today we're so glad that you are but we want to see you back here I know a lot of people are traveling for the holiday weekend and we hope that you had a wonderful Thanksgiving but my hope is that we will gather together over the next four weeks to consider just what it is that we are longing for to to long together to light these candles together, to be reminded of what we celebrate during Advent together. As folks who are following and being formed by Jesus, that's, that's us, we, we are set apart as those who know what we are longing for, specifically Jesus' return. In this time of year, we situate ourselves in stories around the first time that Jesus came as those who long for his second coming. So I ask you this morning, do you know this story? Do you know the good news of the gospel? And if you do, are you telling people of it? In Luke chapter 2, verses 25 through 38, where we'll be today, Luke gives an account of two people who were longing for the Messiah the first time around. Their names were Simeon and Anna. Now Luke, in his gospel and in the book of Acts, which we believe Luke wrote as well, he gives many eyewitness accounts to the life of Jesus and the church's early life. Now biblical hope, we just lit the hope candle this morning, biblical hope is based upon God's character, who God is, who we understand that God is. And Luke gives these eyewitness accounts to help corroborate the events around Jesus' life, Jesus, the Word made flesh, the the events around Jesus' life. And that gives us added confidence in them to have these specific names to point to. Do you see how that works? When this was first written down, when these stories were first told, to, to list a name was to say, hey, go ask that person. Go see that what I'm telling you is, in fact, true. 2,000 years later, we, we can't be certain in this confidence. We don't have the eyewitness accounts, right, to go and ask this far removed, but certainty is not what we're after. That's where hope comes in. We hope for the future because of God's faithfulness in the past. This story helps corroborate God's faithfulness. Simeon and Anna are great examples uh, of folks whose purpose was faithfulness to God in light of God's faithfulness to bring salvation to God's people. So with that said, let's look at verse 25 together in Luke 2. I'll be reading through verses 30, through verse 38. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to Israel's consolation, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before. He saw the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he entered the temple. When the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to perform for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him up in his arms, praised God, and said, Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation, and you have prepared it in the presence of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and glory To your people, Israel. His father and mother, Joseph and Mary, were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and and told his mother, Mary, Indeed, this child is destined to cause the fall and rise of, of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be opposed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. There was also a prophetess, Anna, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was well along in years, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and was a widow for 84 years. She did not leave the temple, serving God night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began to thank God and to speak about him to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. May God add God's blessing to the reading of God's word. So let's begin with Anna. Let's work backwards. Ladies first. Eighty-four years, a widow. All of those years she spent in the temple serving God and interceding for God's people. Wow. Wow. I think of our prayer ministry here. I got done before the service talking to some folks who are visiting with us today, telling them this is a kind church, and it is. It's an unbelievably prayerful church. I think of our prayer ministry. I think of our nurture team. I think of our deacons, two of whom we ordained last week. Think about our group leaders and the way our groups function to grow and care and equip one another. Anna represents the kind of faith hero, a stalwart in her commitment to God. And I believe Anna would fit right in here at the church at Harpethites. It's these saints like Anna and like those that I mentioned among us who help raise us, who bring us along in our faith, who bring our children along. And I'm not hopeless this morning. We just lit the hope candle. I know what our hope is in. But I read articles every week about the state of the church and the fallout from what a pandemic-turned, endemic-turned, life being different for all of us. I see the emptier pews than they were before. I see people making decisions week in and week out about whether to gather as the church body. And I wonder what effects that will have over time. I'm certainly not perfect, far, far from it. But what I am is a product of many, many, many weeks in God's church, among God's people. And my prayer is that we continue in that pattern, that we continue to rub shoulders with stalwarts in the faith, people who love the church because they love Jesus, because they understand that Jesus loves them. Jesus was brought along in his faith. Jesus was a Jew steeped in the Jewish faith, a faith that expected God's salvation to come for God's salvation people. Fred Craddock once said, Jesus' own nurture in his tradition prepared him to oppose flawed and hollow practices within his tradition, prepared him to fulfill the law which Scripture teaches us Jesus came to do. Jesus was grounded in his faith, and in his tradition by people like Anna, the nurturers. Simeon. Simeon longed to meet the one he had put his hope in. Church, what are you longing for this morning? What, what captures your attention? What captures your heart? We need to be like Anna and Simeon. Simeon, the scripture tells us, was in tune with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, which led him to the temple the day Jesus was going to be there, because the scripture tells us the Spirit was on Simeon, guiding Simeon. Simeon was ready and willing to go to the temple that day, probably because he went to the temple most days, although the text doesn't. Tell us that, but he went the day he needed to because years ago, the Spirit assured him that he would not die without first seeing the Lord's salvation. Now, I believe strongly that Simeon didn't expect it to take so long, but his hope did not waver. We can hope for the future because of God's faithfulness in the past. We can hope for the future because of God's faithfulness in the past, even when there's no sign that what we are waiting for is, in fact, on its way. And Simeon's life reminds us it is the Holy Spirit that sustains us all along the way. Again, from Leslie Nubigan. He says the church participates in the mission of the church only by virtue of its participation in the Holy Spirit. No doubt it was the Holy Spirit that led Leanne Swords to share about the prodigal son in that Uber that day. We, we lean into the urgings of the Spirit because we walk along the way with the Spirit. When Simeon saw Jesus, he just knew. He just knew. And he asked the new parents if it would be okay if he would hold, could hold the baby. I think about that with our four little ones and all of the saints, the nurturers that asked if they could hold the baby each child it becoming more likely that we would hand the baby to anybody who wanted to hold the baby. I don't know how reticent Mary and Joseph were to let Simeon hold the baby, but they did. And he gave Jesus this blessing. Look back at verse 29 as he held the baby. Now, Master, you can dismiss your servant in peace as you promised. For my eyes have seen your salvation. You have prepared it in the presence of all peoples. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. Nobody ever pronounced a blessing that beautiful over our babies, but our babies weren't Jesus. Now, Mary and Joseph were pleased as punch when Simeon laid that blessing on their son. So like any good pastor, Simeon went ahead and kept it going and laid a blessing on the parents as well. It says it right there in the text. He blessed them as well. But as he did it, y'all, Simeon just could not shake the look of. That he saw on Mary. He couldn't shake what he was seeing in her eyes. There was there was something there, there was something deep set in Mary's eyes that grabbed a hold of Simeon and would not let him go. Let me tell you about doctor Lonice Bias. That is Lynn Bias' mother. Now, perhaps you don't recognize either of their names. That's okay. Lynn Bias uh, was the second overall pick in the NBA draft in 1986. He was an absolute standout at the University of Maryland, so I'm told I don't remember him playing. Boston Celtics selected him second overall, and they were... Giddy to have him to put on alongside Kevin McHale, Bill Walton, and of course, Larry Bird. This luxury of this incredible rookie-to-be who some say had Michael Jordan's potential. High praise. However, in celebrating the draft, Lenny, as his friends called him, had an adverse reaction to cocaine, overdosed, and died shortly thereafter in the hospital, I listened uh, to a podcast recently, actually, with my oldest son, Howell, retelling this story about Lynn Bias. I didn't know the details of this story. And, and one of the main interviewees in the story was Lonice, Lenny's mother. And it was captivating listening to her talk about the long-suffering relationship that she had with her son. Because of something that she felt the Holy Spirit telling her, impressing upon her when he was a young boy. She said it this way From the time he was a little boy, I could sense there was going to be tragedy associated with Lenny's life. This was her posture toward her son all through his 22 years. Haunting words. From a mother, a mother who was strangely, as the story is told, calm in the wake of her son's death. Thanks to the Holy Spirit upon her that had prepared her for a tragedy that she couldn't name, but that she did expect, she was actually able, as the story is told, as her family members testify to, to be strength for the family in the wake of such terrible circumstances. Extraordinary. Story, tragedy, but amazing. Lonisa's sensitivity to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit, just as Simeon and Anna had, and and just as Mary had too, I believe, to lead her son Jesus, her beloved son, through his formative years, having been given this blessing by Simeon, that her son would be opposed, stricken, and whose death would pierce her own soul. This is the same Holy Spirit that you and I have access to and must be sensitive to as well, and we must cling to to the holy spirit and it is precisely the time of year during advent that we can remind one another of this and the rest of the year as well but what's the best way to cling well i would say it is to cling to god's faithfulness that we see revealed in this story and many others and our response to that is to to live out Our purpose is those following and being formed by Jesus. Simeon was a devout man with great faith. And Anna, 84 years a widow, and every day she went to the temple. She did not waver in her walk with God. She had a tenacious commitment to God. There's someone for all of us in this story, women and men alike. Luke was like that. He was quicker than any of the other biblical authors. To remind us that the kingdom is chock full of both women and men. So, men and women of Harpeth Heights, are you longing today? Are you longing for meaning? Are you longing for purpose? And are you longing with the Holy Spirit? Longing, to me, seems to be accompanied with darkness. Darkness. Does it to you? It's hard to cling at times when we are longing, when it seems like that which we are longing for may, may never come. It wasn't all roses for Lonise Bias, who was so in tune with the Spirit that she was able to be strong during her first son's death. But a few years later, when her second son, Jay, his life was cut short by gun violence... She did not have those early in Jay's life life inclinations to lean on. And she went through a particularly dark time in her life. Yet as the story continues, she speaks of her relationship with the Holy Spirit, bringing her back to the center, bringing her back to the faithfulness that she knew about God, and what God had promised, revealed, and what God had done. And to this day, she runs a program, a not-for-profit, that helps families going through the same thing that she and her family went through in losing Jay. She said before losing her second son, Jay, it was the darkest of times. As often it can be when we're longing. I love to be in the park early in the morning and I ran this morning actually with my good friend who I've run with for years and many of our runs, fewer now that we have all these children in our house, uh, began even before the Sun came up. We would start out with our headlamps looking quite ridiculous but Couldn't see without them. And we would jog. At some point on those runs, the sun would come up. And I don't know if you've experienced this. Some of you may be up early. But right before the sun comes up every day, it's the darkest you can even imagine it in that moment right before And on cool, or actually any day, if you look at your weather app, I believe it'll testify to this. That moment right before sunrise is the coldest every day as well. And I'm telling you, you can feel it. You can feel the air, especially on cold days, suck up around you. And it feels so cold in that moment. And then the sun rises every single day. The sun rises. It always comes up. Now fast forward to the end of Jesus' life. And there Mary is standing watching her son on the cross. Scripture tells us that Even in the afternoon hours, around three o'clock, we believe, darkness came over the land as Jesus breathed his last breath there on the cross. I have to believe the Spirit was right there with Mary, right, in the midst of her grief. And perhaps even in that moment, she thought of Simeon's words of blessing. And in thanking them, perhaps the thought of the blessing he gave her son that day in the temple washed over her and comforted her. And in Mary's grief, in Mary's longing and in Mary's remembering, she too in that moment could see God's salvation. I want us to be able to see it, church. And as the band comes back up and we prepare to sing one more time, I want you to consider whatever that longing is in your life right now. And ask yourself, is it in fact accompanied by the Spirit? can you feel the spirit's presence in your life can't we cannot live out our purpose without it let's pray